to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. Welcome to the Power of Five podcast. Glenn Blakeney here. Today we continue the interview with Elaine Caron the author of the best-selling book, Apostolic Centers. We're going to be talking about equipping the saints, discipleship, leadership development, and even apostolic networks. Enjoy the podcast. And we need to come back to this apostolic mandate. How do we balance, you know, taking someone who maybe has just become a, a, a believer and, you know, they, they maybe they have some character issues they they're struggling there's still brokenness in their life um and so some pastors like i don't want to use those guys you know they're it's like i say sometimes like the grenade goes off and people get hit with the shrapnel from the grenade so how do you take those type of people that maybe they're struggling they're new believers they they have um you know areas they need to grow in and Mm -hmm help them, you know, without blowing the church up <laughs> or, blow, or so many people getting hurt by that. Well, you're talking to an ex-cocaine dealer here. So <laughs> how do we deal with people like that? Some basics never change. Some uh, pastoral care, deliverance, uh, you know, counseling is needed for sure. Uh, but I would say you need to put them into the action The mistake we often do is to have them too long in the passive mode. You don't grow very well in a passive mode. We're not made to be passive. Everything in us, life is not passive. Life is a development. So integrate them as soon as possible in some action, even if you need to watch them closely because of the lack of maturity, the lack of wisdom. And and instill in the church a culture of love and respect and uh, vulnerability and authenticity so that you do not have to be uh, at the stage of perfection to open your mouth or to serve the Lord. This is a place for broken people that Jesus brings together, and we can all grow together. Uh-huh. So if we work in that culture of respect, love, authenticity, there is room for even new believers to start um, exercising whatever gift they have, because we know very well that a a, a baby Christian can start hearing from God and even prophesying, even if he doesn't know the rules, because he has the spirit. And so I find ways to integrate them right away. Our model is house churches, home groups, small circles where you can function. And so we don't relate too much on the big mass gathering, although we love it. But we relay for the development on small groups and people together. We need to trust people. Uh, if you trust people, they will give it back to you. I remember uh, one time I, I, I we had a, a tent uh, to outreach 
uh, outside and I wanted someone to watch. So I took the guy that was just out of prison, uh, a young guy, he was about 17 years old. And I said, you will be the watchman for the night. That changed his life. He said, do you know that I can st- I can make a few phone calls, all the sound system, everything will be gone and I'll make money. Like I know. And he said, you asked me to watch it. That changed his life. Yeah. He, he, it's about 20 years past, I'm telling you. And he's still telling me that you don't know what you did that night. So we need to trust people and make disciples of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. And when we talk about making disciples, really the great commission, particularly in Matthew 28, 19, the commandment there in the Greek language is to make disciples. And we do it by going, by baptizing and by teaching them. That's what the original language is conveying. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul's approach for church planting right now or making disciples. When we read the book of Acts, we see, you know, we talk about his three missionary journeys. And I prefer the term apostolic missions, but that terminology. But Paul and Barnabas initially were sent out from Antioch. They had been there. They had been you know, ministering that says there were teachers, the prophets and teachers in the church, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, separate Saul and Barnabas to the work I've called them to do. They laid hands on them. And then the Bible says, they sent them out and they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They were apostolic or um, by the Holy Spirit. So Paul goes out with Barnabas. He begins preaching in these different places. And then, um, what happens later on, and, and I, you re- allude to this when you talk about apostolic networks in your book, um, he appoints what they call over- overseers or elders, depending on you know the term. Um, but when we see, though, that they didn't really stay a long time, but they, uh, the apostles established the church, then they appointed elders. Um, but conversely, we really don't see in the New Testament pastors starting churches, do we? No, we don't see them at all. <laughs> There's a, I'll tell you my take on that. You see, the pattern is quite simple if we follow the tracks of Paul. What do we have? The Holy Spirit chooses somebody. Then that somebody is sent on a mission. Then what we see very quickly is a team forming. At first, it was just, uh, Paul and Barnabas and, and, and Mark. And, and then what do we see? This team is growing. Now we follow Paul and his team. His team becomes bigger and bigger. Everywhere he goes, he establishes communities of believers. Let's call them like that, communities of believers. Mm-hmm. It's, pro- it's quite sure that the first churches we read in his first and second uh, trips were probably churches of like, 12, 15 people, 20 people, maybe even eight people. You know, there was very, very small churches that, and he put someone in charge. That's all it means when it's a, an elder and an overseer. He said, listen, you, you look to me like you're the best to take care of those guys. So, you know, just stay in what I taught and I'll, 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 we'll keep in touch. So he established those small communities of believers and he went along like that. And so what we see is that those first churches, mm-hmm. 
local churches started to be established everywhere. But in some specific places like Ephesus or Corinth, Paul stayed much longer because in other places he would stay just a few days or a few weeks. But in Ephesus, he stayed for two years and in Corinth, a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken. And in those places, he brought the church to another level. And that's what I call an apostolic center. So what do we have in those cases? We have a residing apostle with an apostolic team residing and they develop the church in number and in capacity to train. And these become centers, resource centers for all the little churches that are scattered everywhere. Because in the little churches that have been established, they might not have the luxury to have the fivefold gift right away. They are just a small number. It's yeah. a it's a beginning of a church. And not all churches have the fivefold ministers in them. But a place like Ephesus can send out teams and resources that are lacking in other places. So the picture comes uh, complete now. We have a number of local or pastoral churches, and I would call them apostolic churches. Why? Because they are churches, and they are aligned with an apostle and his team, and in contact, most probably, with an apostolic center. And so there is a network that has been developed. And so apostolic centers in the main cities resourcing those apostolic churches. And we say they're apostolic because they are fed by the apostolic vision. Even if they are not led by an apostle themselves, they are led by a pastor or an elder. And so that's the picture that we come to today. Many, at least... That's what I see. Many churches are realizing that they need an apostolic alignment because what happened after a few hundred years of that, Constantine came and and smothered those churches and they lost vision and they became only pastoral without a vision for the kingdom in many cases. So just Christians staying together, maintaining what they had which we see up to today. But there is a desire to come back to a fuller vision of the kingdom and to be in alignment with an apostolic vision or an apostolic team or an apostolic center. And so in other churches, the pastors discover that after all, I'm not a true pastor. I'm more like an apostle, except we never used those terms. But in the fabric of who he is, he discovers I'm much more like an apostle. Or another would say, I'm much more like a prophet. Another, I'm much more like an evangelist. Churches are led by all kinds of ministries. We call them all pastors, which is not biblical. They're not pastors. We just traditionally, we call everybody pastor. But now people discover who they really are. Right. And, 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 and by the way, it's true that in the New Testament, we don't see pastors starting churches. Apostles yeah. start churches. And right. the word bishop or overseer, elder, yeah. and shepherd yeah. are interchangeable. You see that in Acts 20, when Paul says, call the elders, 
when yeah. the elders came from Ephesus, mm-hmm. he says, uh, watch uh, the, the, the flock that the Lord made you overseers yeah. over, uh, be good shepherd of them. So yeah. they are elders, bishops, pastors. That's really what a pastor is. So yeah. he's watching the flock. But the apostle has established the church. Yeah, absolutely. Completely concur. And that's very scriptural, the the uh, pattern there that you mentioned. So let, the whole concept here of being apostolic, this isn't about all of a sudden calling yourself an apostle and, you know, getting a new business card and pastors deleted and apostles now on the business card. This is shifting into an apostolic um, culture and the mission, you know, the paradigm, which is first and foremost about advancing the kingdom on the earth. Yes. And and Jesus, you know, when you go back to Isaiah 60, I love Isaiah 60. It says, arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Then verse two says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So we see this conflict. Uh, Satan wants the earth to be cover the earth with darkness and deep darkness, the people. But the Lord says, I want my people to arise and shine. And in the book of Habakkuk, chapter two, I believe it's verse 14. It says that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. So God's desire is that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of his glory. Satan wants to cover the earth with darkness. And we are in, um, uh, there's there's two kingdoms here in conflict. And, and I think that the church has to recognize that our calling as the ecclesia of God is to advance the kingdom first and foremost. It's not to come together in our holy huddle, you know, and and just sing kumbaya, bless me, Lord. <laughs> we we are being, we come together. There's a purpose for that. The scripture is clear. We're not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. The Bible talks about one anothering, how we help one another to grow um, by using our gifts and so on, iron sharpening iron. But ultimately, we come together in order to be encouraged, um, inspired, trained, equipped, and sent out. We're called to be an apostolic people. And I think that's the huge difference. When you have um, pastors, and as you said, the word pastor literally means shepherd. There's only one time in the New Testament we read the word pastor in Ephesians 4 verse 12, right? And as a noun, every other time it's a verb meaning to shepherd. And and so we have apostles, we have fivefold ministry, we have elders, presbyteros, we have overseers, episkopos, and their goal is to equip the people as well. It's not just to say, well, I'm a pastor and and I want you to come here and be comfortable and and I'll minister to you know your your needs. Um, but there's a purpose for that and. The word equipping, this is something I believe is so important. The word equipping in Ephesians 4, uh, 12 can be translated, you know, the root, the word that is derived from the root word can be translated to mend a uh, fishing net. Uh, I believe yes. it's in Matthew four twenty one where it's that word is used. 
and and cartutizo. So the the idea there is there's a mending, but the word can also be used for preparing. And and it's also found in 1 Corinthians 1, I think it's verse 9 or 10, where it talks about being joined together. And so I think that that word equipping has is is very powerful that we understand the calling of fivefold is to equip, which is to mend people, uh, to to blend people is the way I put it, so that we become a body. So we're not just individuals doing our own thing, but we become a body, and then to send people, to release them, to launch them. And when we get this right, when we reset uh, and, and make that our focus, yeah, of course, people are need encouragement. They need comfort. They need healing, deliverance, inner healing, whatever. But ultimately, we, we see the differences to release them, to send them out into their destiny, their purpose, and their calling. So in a church that traditionally has been modeled after uh, a weekend gathering, you know, where I go to church for an hour or 90 minutes or whatever on a Sunday. Um, And that church really has not been doing much, the leadership to equip people. Um, Clearly, you have a a generation of consumers, uh, spectators, that type of thing. But today, it seems, in particular millennials, they want um, authentic community. They want the real power of the Holy Spirit, and and they want purpose, right? They want to they want a purpose in life. Let's just talk a little bit about the church making that transition, so that we become effective in engaging our culture and reaching those who, in particular, have no interest in uh, the institutional church or the convention and the conventional church what what is the the answer because many churches many pastors are dealing with this give us your uh, feedback your insight into that elaine please i i would not be too much concerned about growing per se if i can say that no i i know we all want to grow but we put a lot of emphasis on church growth for many years. I would, I would say let's concentrate on, let's clarify what's the mandate of the church. What are we up to? What do we want to produce? Um, do we believe that the Lord wants to rule on the earth or not? Because some people believe they're just waiting to go to heaven. So if we believe that, there's not much incentive to bring an influence on the earth. So what are we believing? What is our role? Uh, should we bring back the glory that was lost? Is this our mandate? When we read in Revelations, uh, Revelation 11, 15, is it where the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of God and of his Christ? Mm. How will this happen? Mm. Will this happen by magic one day? Jesus will just say, here I am, I take everything. Or do we have a part in going towards that? Mm. And of course we do. So we need to clarify for ourselves, what are we up to? And in a church that wants to start walking along that, I believe the main leader or the leaders together 
should clarify their own understanding of what, why are we here? Mm. If he wanted to bring us to heaven, it could be done a long time ago. So why does he stay, keep us here on the earth? What's our purpose? And once we clarify that, is our structure helping us to go towards that goal? If we have a maintenance structure, it will not serve a expansion uh, mandate. So for us, we uh, dismantled an old structure because the structure needs to serve the vision. Right. So our old structure was very traditional, a group of elders and a pastor. The pastor is the one ministering to the congregation. And the congregation, year after year, comes to be ministered to. This is not wrong in itself, but we want to go further. And so with teaching, with dialogue, we agreed, and it was hard for some to agree. (laughs) But, you know, reaching agreement is still important. We agreed to dismantle the old structure and to replace it by an apostolic structure. What do I mean? I mean that I was the main leader I still am, and I surrounded myself by a team, which I call an apostolic team, which is a team of different gifts and different capacities of people. And that team is flexible. It's not positions for life. It's a a functional team. If you want, it's like the people walking with, with Jesus when he traveled across Israel. It's the people walking or taking the ship with Paul when he travels. People of the journey. If you're ready to make the journey with me, if you're willing to leave what's uh, whatever stops it and, and commit to join on the journey with me, that's what I call the apostolic journey. That journey is how can we bring back God's glory in the world where uh, it has been lost? And what steps do we need to do? And... Uh, how can we have an entrance in the seven mountains of society to bring the influence of the gospel there? So if we will work together, if we will plan together, we will be able to advance. Uh And so that's been my life for the last uh, few years. Uh, I'll I'll tell you there's places with uh, great, great uh, encouragement. Taiwan, for example, I've been working with them for a while uh, and with Chuck Pierce. And they have recently, I was on Zoom again, they have established seven apostolic cities and they are entering now in the uh, medical world and in the education world to transform from the inside with the kingdom values. And they bring such a resource to the government Mm. in secular society that this is an infiltration of the kingdom of God going inside of society. Why do they do that? They do that because they have the right vision of the mandate of the church. See, if your vision of the mandate is that we need to huddle together until Jesus comes back, then this is what you're going to do. You see, you will follow your vision and you will reach what you aim. Right. If your vision is how can we transform society, how can we bring the kingdoms to Jesus? Because in Revelation, when it says the kingdom become the kingdom of God, his plan is not to destroy the kingdoms of this world. His plan is to take them and rule over them because he is the king. 
Yeah. And we are to facilitate that with the giftings we have. So in a church, let's first see if you can have a clear vision of the mandate. You may need some help. You mean you may need apostolic people to teach alongside you, to counsel you, to father you, if I can say. You may need to work close, more closely with Glenn. Uh, Glenn didn't ask me to say that. Or you may need to connect with a man like him or, or, or someone else that the Lord puts in, in your, in your, in your path and, and have help to transition gradually because you don't want to shock God's people. God's people are precious and you want to help them transition in their minds, in their understanding of the gospel, of the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation. It's included in. You want to help them transition. You don't want to lose them. And you want to bring the right structure that will facilitate the development of everybody, the training. And so that you will not have just a congregation of converts, but a congregation of disciples. And once they realize that they are disciples, they will come to you with projects. They will come to you with visions and things they want to do. While in the past you were trying to motivate them to sign up for a chore in the church, they will knock at your door and say, can I do this? Can I venture there? Because vision will be released inside the body. That's what we have been experiencing in, in our apostolic center. I could tell you stories and stories uh, that we have done in nations up to building a 13-kilometer road in the mountains of Haiti to connect the population to the road system and to running water and to electricity and to medical uh, uh, care because an apostolic church does not only do Sunday morning meetings. It also builds roads in the mountains and builds stuff and, and motivates people and, 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 and is a nightmare for the devil, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Have you heard of my new podcast called The Power of Five, where we talk about all things fivefold ministry? This is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. I encourage you to join us each week as we bring some of the most knowledgeable kingdom leaders from around the globe into the studio to chat about this current season of Reformation and specifically how the restoration of the fivefold ministry plays such an integral role in what the Lord is doing to restore and raise up a glorious church in these days. Hallelujah. So guys, please subscribe to The Power of Five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And would you also consider leaving a review, rating the podcast, and sharing on social media with your friends? Together, let's recover the glory of the Lord as we contend for reformation, revival, the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.